Good evening and welcome to Laughing Monkey Music. Today we have Ricky Medlicon from Blackfoot and from Leonard Skinnerd. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing good. Look at you in your tank top in Florida being warm and everything. Oh, man, it's been, uh, you know what, man? It's been a beautiful, absolutely beautiful winter down here. Um, a very picturesque winter. We've had a few cold spells to where, you know, it has dipped down into the... Uh, down into the upper 30s, uh, lower 40s, which I'm in Southwest Florida. I'm in Fort Myers, which is oh, okay. uh, all the way down at the extreme end on the West Coast, you know. But uh, we've had some beautiful, we've had some beautiful stuff, uh, beautiful weather down here this year. We were like in the 40s. I'm ready to put my shorts on. I'm up in New England and Connecticut. So oh, I, mean, I love man. the season. But in the summertime, I'm not going to be envious though, because I can't deal with the humidity, so... Oh, it's, you know, it gets hot. Yeah. A little too hot for me down in Florida. Well, before we touch base, maybe we can talk a little bit about your history early on and kind of see what's going sure. on now with you and, and the bands. Um, you've been playing uh, like professionally probably like 50 years now, right? If so, maybe more, 69. Well, actually, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, I actually started playing, if you really want to say it. Yeah. No. Professionally, I've been playing. I started with my grandfather on a country music show when I was three years old. Wow. And um, I was playing a miniature banjo <laughs> and he played banjo and he taught me. He saw that I was, uh, you know, starting to pick up, uh, in, you know, music, wanting yeah. to know music at a very, very early age. And so he bought me this miniature banjo. And um, interestingly enough, he taught me, we, we learned a couple of songs together. So he was a musician that was in and out of uh, Nashville with a lot of your old country stars. And he was a road guy. And, um, you know, he played pretty well much. He played all the instruments uh, that you would ever need in a band. I mean, really, uh, if somebody needed a banjo player, call shorty somebody needed a fiddle player call shorty somebody needed a you know guitar player or whatever yeah. call shorty so when he'd be home he'd had his own bands and um what he would do he would go on this tv show that originated out of jacksonville on the station which is now a cbs affiliate uh it's called wjxt but back then it was called WMBR and the show was called the Toby Dowdy show mm -hmm. and it was a country show. And so he went to Toby one day and he said, look, uh, my grandson, Ricky, who, uh, you know, his grandmother and I have adopted now. Uh, he's our son. He said, I've taught him how to play banjo and learned a couple of songs together. And would uh, would it be okay if we did a guest spot on here? He said, I think it would be uh, a real cool novelty thing, you know? Yeah. Well, back then, being that young, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a great singer and I wasn't a, you know. No, but three, uh, I mean, I, I, my grandson's almost like two and a half and I'm just yeah. teaching him. I couldn't imagine that. This is so crazy. I have pictures of it, of us on the TV, on the TV show. And um, when you're a kid, you know, 
that young, you know, you're just, it's like, what is this? You know? So we would just go out there. So the very first time uh, we went out and we uh, played a song together and the response to it was overwhelming enough to where I became kind of a regular on the show with my granddaddy. (laughs) And it was for five years until I was eight years old. And in that midst, in that time, um, growing up, uh, the one thing that I really wanted to learn to play was guitar. And I picked up playing guitar when I was five. And then I wanted to learn how to play drums. I started playing drums at eight. And, uh, you know, thus was my musical career, you know. So I had been making money uh, ever since I was a young child. And uh, it was, you know, I was raised in that kind of family, you know, being raised in a music family. Uh, uh, my uncles, they played. Uh, my biological mother, she sang and she <clears throat> she had a beautiful voice. Yeah. She, um, she sang in bands. And uh, you know what, man? It, it, that side of the family was just really, was really, really interesting. Uh, in the fact that where the musical heritage came from, because it all started with my granddaddy, actually started with my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather and my great-grandmother, whose son was my granddaddy that ended up being, uh, I was raised with, they were sharecroppers in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And um, they worked on this man's great big farm um and they worked alongside an african-american family that lived across the road and that family had musicians in the in the family uh ours had musicians in the family and they would get together on sundays both families would and pretty well make you know they would make food together and make music together and intertwine and you know So really my granddaddy came up, actually, I like to say, and and he was, but he was a Mississippi Delta blues guy. That was his really, uh, the way he really came up. He learned all those old, all that old blues stuff, country-ish bluegrass things, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, he was just, you know, I always like to say to people, uh, he was far more talented, uh, I think, than I was. Um, I think that he was probably uh, one of the best musicians that I was raised around. He could play everything. And not only did he play all these instruments great, I mean, he just played them really great. How old so, was he when, he when he passed? How old 70. Were you? He was 70 years old. And how old were you? And I was at Weaver at Blackfoot. At the time. Okay, so so we saw some success from you. And uh, he did see, and you know, here recently, um, I got hold of some photos Mm -hmm. that I can hold up to the camera for you to see. Sure. But uh, it's my old man on stage with us, uh, with Blackfoot, you know, because he wrote the song Train Train. Yes, that's And yeah, and I mean, he would come out and he would tour with us. (laughs) <laughs> uh he would go on, yeah he would go on the road with us 
And uh, I tell you what, man, it was like, uh, it was a real phenomenal thing to watch him uh, be on the road with us because he would come out and he was a stone entertainer anyway. Mm-hmm. He loved to entertain people. And you know what, man? Uh, we used to just love to have him on the road with us. That's Here's a, a shot. Okay. Yeah. There he is. Cool. And uh, it's really cool, man. There he is. Doing that kind of great. a doing kind of the rock and roll <laughs> thing, you know. But um, it was really cool, man, to 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 be raised like that and be in that environment and well, and learn. To have him come back on with you to you know, <clears> almost like <throat> oh yeah, do the same type of thing. It's kind of a full circle type of thing, and it's kind of he must have yeah. really been tickled to be able oh, to yeah. do that. It's got to be. I couldn't imagine that. That is that is a good story. But yeah, so what he did train train. Well, he wrote the song train. Right. Right. And um, the way that whole thing was <laughs> came about was kind of by just chance. Yeah. Um, the band was up in New Jersey, and we were up there, and we had gone back up there. This is after I'd gotten out of Skinner the first time. And we had gone back up to live in Jersey. Uh a lot of gigs up there in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, you know, Long Island. And uh, there was a lot of clubs. And um, so we signed with Atco Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. And we were busy putting the songs together and writing and stuff like that. And um, so our producer who is also our manager, which I'm still uh, in with as a manager, uh, Al Nally. Wow. He said, you know, we need one more. uh, We need one more song to really finish this, you know, to really finish this record off. And I was sitting on the drum, on the, on the drum, uh, the drum lift, you know, I was sitting up there on it and um, I'm, fooling around on my guitar and all of a sudden it just kind of hit me you know what about daddy what about my old man's song train train and so i come out and i said that to the band i said you know the old man's got a song called train train that i think that we could turn into a great you know into a great rock song you know um and i started messing around with it on the guitar and kind of got the chord structure together and the vocal and mm-hmm. the band kind of fell into it. And man, within about 30 minutes, we had the song worked up. And right then, you know, I said, you know, would be great because my daddy would play a harmonica like is on the record, but at the very beginning, that sounded like a train starting mm-hmm. up and starting to take off. And I said, it'd be great if we could put him on the record doing that part, you know, and then it goes into the song. Yeah. And that's how all that came about. You know? How was it? How was it when he told him that when he said, Hey, by the way, I'm going to do your song. I mean, did he just like <laughs> explode in happiness or what? Was he just tickled? Oh, absolutely. You know what, man? He, um, 
You know, after all those years of, of being a musician and yeah. to all of a sudden have a song explode and become a hit rock song, <laughs> uh, he was he was really overwhelmed by that. I mean, That's it awesome. was just, you know, and especially when he would go and go tour with us and appear with us and yeah. that song, all of a sudden he would step up to the microphone I would introduce him every night as the world's oldest rock star. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he'd come up to the microphone and uh, step up there and start to play the intro to train and the audience. I mean, you could imagine 12, 13,000 people in a, you know, in a, in an arena. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't even hear himself. You know, that was so loud, but, he was quite the entertainer out there with us, as you could see in the pictures. Yeah. That's he great. enjoyed himself, man. It was the, it made me really happy that, um, that I could do something for him because uh, he and my grandmother, you know, adopted me and raised me. And it was at a time when, um, you know, I was born with a, with a respiratory illness and uh, <clears throat> still have it today uh, with a lung condition and, and all that. And uh, so they gave me, and my old man especially gave up pretty well much, uh, a lot of his life, you know, so that I could survive. Yeah. And uh, so it really made me feel good that, um, you know, that it came full circle that I was able to, you know, to give back something to him, you know, it all that worked is, out really. It all worked out great story. That is, that is the best feel good story we could use for 2021. That's, that's what we need some good stories. That's yeah, heartfelt. Man. that rocks, man. Um, so yeah, you have all this musicality in your life from drums and back and forth. We'll, we'll probably bounce back a little bit, but when you, when, um, what got you going from guitar and then you started doing drums, Was it, did you go through phases where you're like, cause I mean, you, you, Ended on Skinner, you started in Skinner on drums, but then you said, no, I'm going to go to guitar and Blackfoot, and you kind of go back and forth. Is it moods or feelings? Like, how do you <clears throat> kind of dance between those? Well, here, here's the thing. I, um, when I was playing guitar, of course, I wanted to, I, I, I tried to emulate, I tried to emulate my old man. He played mm -hmm. everything, so I wanted to play everything. And, so I took up, you know, after I learned guitar and uh, I wanted to play drums because he had a drummer in his band and I thought the drummer was just one of the coolest dudes and uh, he drove a cool car and, you know, he looked great and his name was Charlie Saddlewhite. And um, I just, you know, I would watch him play drums and then he'd let me sit on his drums and uh, it was just uh, it, it was just so cool, man. Well, I took up playing drums, and then when Charlie left my dad's band, it was kind of a novelty thing to have, you know, to have me playing drums in the band, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward to late nineteen seventy, early seventy one. Um was actually in it was actually in yeah in 70 and um 
Um, I had been up, you know, living up north in New Jersey with Blackfoot. We had been up there living and trying to trying to make it and, uh, you know, trying to get a get a start. Mm-hmm. And um, things were just kind of going a little sideways. And uh, we had a manager, uh, a woman, and uh, one of the band members got involved with her, uh, you know, romantically. And so a lot of things kind of just got to be real weird. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really happy. I, um, I said, man, I, I, got, I, need, I got to do something else here, you know, because I am just not happy in this. Well, I, I mean, I already knew Ronnie and Gary and Alan, you know, from Jacksonville. So I happened to have Alan's phone number. And I called Alan. And um, I said, Alan, Ricky Medlock. Oh, hey, man. I said, look, man, I, I'm unhappy in the situation I'm in. And um, do you do you guys need up? you know, a crew guy, a roadie, somebody to drive a truck or mm-hmm. set the equipment up or whatever, you know? And he said, well, you know what? Uh, we do need somebody. You need to call Ronnie. I said, all right. So he gave me Ronnie's number and I called Ronnie. And I get Ronnie on the phone. Hey, Ricky, how you doing, man? I said, I'm good, Ronnie. I said, um, Alan told me to give you a call uh, because I said um, I wanted to know if you guys want, needed a uh, road crew guy, you know, somebody to set the equipment up, or, mm-hmm. you know, load, drive a truck, whatever. He goes, you still play drums? Because he had seen me play drums in a band that Blackfoot formed out of. Okay. He's, he's seen me play drums in the comic book club. And he, he liked my drumming. And um, I said, yeah, I still play drums. He said, well, here's our situation. Uh, Bob Burns is going to quit. And we are due to go into Muscle Shoals, Alabama and start recording our first record. And he said, we need a drummer. And I said, count me in. I'll take it. It has perfect timing. I said, um, he said, look here, get your stuff together. We'll call we'll, I'll get back to you shortly. We'll send you an airplane ticket and uh, come on, come on down. So I sold a few amps that I had, kept my guitars, two of my guitars, loaded my luggage up, uh, caught a ride with a friend of mine to Newark, New Jersey airport. And uh, <laughs> got on what used to be called Eastern Airlines. Boarded a trip on Eastern Airlines uh, nonstop to Jacksonville. And uh, got off plane. They met me. We went by my mom and dad's. And Ronnie used to, Ronnie loved my old man because my, my old man played the blues. Okay. Ronnie just, you know, loved the blues and, Later on, that was the inspiration, part of the inspiration for Curtis Lowe. Oh, really? And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Daddy, my old man, would play a dobro on his knee, and there was a line in there. 
He used to play an old Dobro, he used to play it on his knee. And plus they dedicated the Nothing Fancy record and a song called Made in the Shade to my old man. Because my old man used to tell all of us, you boys keep going the way you're going. One of these days you're going to have it made in the shade, you know? <laughs> so Ronnie and Ronnie and Gary and Alan used to come over to my mom and dad's, you know, uh, house and hang out on the porch with my dad and, and watch my old man play the blues, you know, quite often. So we went by that night. They picked me up at the airport and went by. I dropped my stuff off at my mom and dad's. And we went straight to rehearsal and started working up what would become Leonard Skinner's first and last album or the Muscle Shoals Sessions that came out after the plane disaster. Yep. So we started working it up. Two weeks later, bro, I was sitting in Muscle Shoals recording with Leonard Skinner. Yeah. That's great. That was what timing. So why why would you why did you end up leaving though? I mean, you just missing guitar or I mean that's a pretty sweet Well, game. here here's the thing. When you're a drummer, you gotta have a lot of air intake and a lot of stamina. Mm -hmm. My air intake, of course, was limited with what I got, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I was missing playing guitar. And uh, people used to, could not understand how I could, you know, get up there and sing in front of people, you know, and sing the way I did and play guitar mm -hmm. and be a front man and go through the whole, you know, everything. And even today, uh, people wonder how I can stand up in front of an audience and be as active as I am and stuff like that. Well, I got my own protocol that I do uh, with my doctors and, and stuff like that. And I try to take the best care of myself I can, you know. But um, I felt like at the time, um, I really felt like they needed someone that could actually take them further uh, as a drummer. Ronnie said, you know, Ricky, you're exactly, you lay that beat down and, you're, and you play right in the groove. You got a great groove bone. You're, you're right dead in it, you know? But um, I just felt like that, you know, they needed somebody, you know, that had the better stamina and the better, just an overall better drummer, you know? Yeah. And I guess I was the Charlie Watts of Leonard Skinner, you know, at the time. Yeah. You know, I laid a great beat down, but I just felt like it, you know, I just felt like they needed somebody better. And I was missing <laughs> playing guitar and singing, you know, but it, it, it was really an interesting deal. Sean, my dad told me at the time, I, I remember going home one night from rehearsal and I, I said to my dad, I said, dad, I said, I'm seriously thinking about leaving Leonard Skinner. And he goes, what, why? I said, because I need better stamina and I, my breathing capacity is limited. And I said, it just, I, it's not fair to those guys. Mm -hmm. He said, well, understand something. Okay. He said, understand 
<clears throat> if you make that move, you might not never get another shot at, at something ever again. This might be the one that's in the cards for you and for you to go forward, you know? Yeah. And I've really felt in my heart. I told him, I said, Pop, I really feel in my heart, you know, this is the right thing to do and then it's all going to work out. And, um, I mean, I was, I, I sat and I really thought about it for a long time. And, um, so I made the move and, um, it was, it was tough. I mean, but I, you know, I kind of dwindled for three months after I left the guys and I had to get a job and kind of do something with my hair because my hair had gotten out of had gotten out of hand. It was long and, you know, but, um, I got a job and, and made do. And then three months later, Jack, uh, you know, the drummer for Blackfoot, mm -hmm. <laughs> they, him and Charlie were living in North Carolina and came to Jacksonville to find me. They heard that I had left, I had left Leonard Skinner and was working a job. And so, I came home from work one day and uh, I had no sooner gotten in the house when there was a knock on the door and I went to the door and it was Jack. I said, Jack, what's going what, what, you know, and he, you know, he, um, well, let me back up a little bit. He had called me first mm -hmm. and said, Ricky, this is Jack. Me and Charlie's in town from North Carolina. Oh yeah. We've got the band back together again. And we've got a different bass player than Greg, a guy named Lenny Stadler, because Greg was playing with a group in New York called the tokens. And the tokens was a band that had out the old hit song, the lion sleeps tonight. Yep. So Gr Greg was playing with them. Anyway, he said, uh, I, I want to come over and see you. Okay. So Jack came over, <clears throat> he walked in, my mom and dad was so glad to see him. They loved him like he was their own son. And um, uh, Jack and I, you know, were like brothers. We'd gone to school together, we <laughs> hung out together, we played together. I mean, rode up and down the highway together, I mean, wow. So we went driving around and Jack said, Ricky, all that other stuff is over with now. Uh, come back. Let, let's do this over again. Let's do this band again. And let's go for success. He goes, you be the leader, the front man, the singer, and we'll just be the band. And I said, okay, I'll do that. Well, uh, I went home and told my mom and dad I was off to North Carolina to start our own thing. And, uh, when you know it, uh, I sent demos to Jimmy Johnson and Muscle Shoals that we had just recorded the, the Leonard Skinner record with, and, uh, he loved the demos and wanted to produce the band and sell a record deal. So that's how that hooked up. So wow. actually the one thing that happened with Leonard Skinner actually turned out good for us, you know?
Well, it, it and, feels like it's, it's almost karma because I think you're the only guy in rock and roll history who's actually left a, a band that was breaking and said, I, don't, I think you guys could do better. I'm going to get a regular yeah. job. And, and just go, I don't think that I've never heard a story that's like the reverse. And then it came back to you in, in spades and good energy, man. It, it, well, man, you know what I always did, Sean? Um, I like to think of myself as a very, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow my heart. I listen to, you know, I listen to what's around me and what goes on around me. And, and I draw the energy and I, and I go with what I truly believe. And when I was a kid growing up, um, I never second guessed, you know, never really second guessed myself up until a time period. Um, and there's two times that I second guessed myself. One when I left Skinnerd mm-hmm. uh, after a few after a couple of months, you know, I, I second guessed myself. Did I make the right decision? But it would always come back. It's going to be okay, Ricky. It's going to work out. Everything's going to work out for you, you know. And then the only other time that I did was after the original Blackfoot had broken up and I had several different versions of the band. Uh, I put out a couple of records on, uh, you know, independent label. I mean, we were playing a lot and making money and, you know, doing it, but it wasn't catapulting uh, me to where I really wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um. I was already in my, you know, man, I was already in my early forties. I was like, man, you know, and I, you know, do I really want to keep doing this? I mean, then I started second guessing myself, you know, I was like, maybe it's not in the cards for me anymore. But then that old voice in me came back to me. Something's coming. Just hang in there. Something's coming. Well, a turn of events, uh, you know, it was so, it was so cool because my mom, um, she used to tell me on the phone, uh, the Skinners are coming, you know, when they would come to Jacksonville and play or whatever. And, um, she, uh, succumbed to a massive stroke and, laid in the hospital for seven weeks. And before she passed, she said, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Well, that was in 94. Uh, March of 94, as a matter of fact. And so weird. Uh, The end of 95 uh, I got a call from Judy Van Zandt, Ronnie Van Zandt's widow, mm-hmm. saying, Ricky, we're premiering Freebird the movie in Atlanta. And the guys, all of us would like for you to be a part of it. Would you like to come up and do the premiere with the guys and do the all the all-star jam? 
the night before. <laughs> so we got everybody's coming. I said, I would love to. Well, the band guys that I had, they weren't too happy with me, but I canceled, you know, I canceled out a weekend full of dates, you know, and I went to Atlanta. That's a, that's a special and, gig though. I mean, that's a huge moment yeah. in history. Yeah. And I, I went to it. I went to Atlanta and I saw Gary again. I hadn't seen Gary in so long. Saw Billy Leon. And it was kind of like surreal. It, it was almost like I'd never left in a way. The, 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 the friendship, you know, the camaraderie. So I did the jam that night and my manager, Al, was standing next to their manager, Charlie, and and they were watching us on stage and watching the audience reaction to myself and, you know, the way the jam was going and stuff. And it wasn't until... Uh, they introduced me and I walked out on stage right by myself in a sold out Fox theater with an acoustic guitar. And I sat down and I played a highway song acoustically. And when I finished it, the audience just stood up, you know? Yeah. And their manager, Charlie looked over at my manager and said, huh? we need to get this guy back in Skinner. He said, Gary has talked about it for several years, but right. The timing's got to be just right. And they talked to me about it. Well, I came back here to Fort Myers. I came back and had my studio here and went back to writing and doing whatever, but I was just so excited maybe to hear something and just, yeah. Wasn't hearing anything, you know, and I was like, damn, man, you know, that was perfect for me, you know. Finally, <laughs> pardon me, mm -hmm. finally, I called the house, my house, my home one day, and you had the old style answer machines with the tape, you know, and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. And there was a message on the tape. And the message said, hey, Brother Ricky, it's Gary. I want to come down to Fort Myers. I want you to learn I ain't the one Saturday night, that smell and Freebird, like Alan plays it. Yep. And he goes, and if you pass the audition, I'll give you $1.50 in a Snickers bar. <laughs> So I was just elated. I had a week to get ready. Yeah. Were you still in black? Well, at the time. Yeah. We, I was still doing the, I was still okay. doing the, did, did the guys know, know about this could happen or just kind of to yourself? No, they didn't know. Uh -uh. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> because if it didn't happen. Well, I get why I just didn't know yeah, if that was like you know. the hammer was going to fall. So, um, it, you know, what was interesting was because everybody has asked me before, you know, what was the most difficult song, you know, for you to learn 
you know, Allen's rhythms and leads. Well, my style and Allen's style was very similar mm-hmm. in the fact, in, in that the fact that we both loved Eric Clapton and, you know, kind of emulated Clapton and then, and then did our own thing, our own style. Yeah. Well, um, I sat down and learned those four songs, note for note. And the easiest song, believe it or not, and people think I'm crazy for saying this, but it's the truth. Easiest song to learn was Free Bird. The ending. Because the ending is done in sections. Yep. So I knew the licks he was playing. I'd already played Freebird on drums. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I knew where it was all coming. And I had Freebird down in no time. <laughs> so Gary came down to Fort Myers, him and an entourage guy. They were all having a good time and drinking beers and everything, you know. And they walked into my home. And I had a CD player set up on a little amp. And had my reverse body firebird plugged into it. And Gary said, show me what you got. So I reached over and hit, you know, the CD player. I ain't the one came on. I started playing right along with it. Played right along with it all the way. Played right through the lead. Played the lead note for note. And as soon as we went right back into the last verse on the CD, as soon as it went back, Gary reached over and turned it off. I went, oh, shit. You know, he goes, man, <laughs> that was damn great. He goes, you want to do this? <laughs> I went, hell yeah, I want to do it. Are you kidding? And yeah. he goes, he goes, well, I'll tell you what, let's go call Johnny. Because Johnny's got concerns that, you know, you were always a lead singer, front man, you know. And a guitar player, of course, but, you know, he's concerned that, that this might not be your thing. I said, call him, you know, let's get him on the phone. So we got Johnny on the phone. Gary said, Johnny, I got Rick here. He wants to do this. Let me put you on with him. So I get on the phone with Johnny <laughs> and Johnny says, uh, Hey man, are you sure you want to do this? Because he said, you've always been a, you know, you've always been a lead singer, front man. Lead, he said, you're a great singer. Uh, and you sure you just want to be the guitar player? I said, Johnny. I said, my old man had a great saying that I'm going to reflect on right now. And he said, yeah, what's that? I said, my old man used to tell me, if you can't ride in the back seat of a Cadillac, you'll never get to be the driver. <laughs> And I said, I'm in the back seat. <laughs> so I've been in the Cadillac with the other two guys for 25 years now. And best. you know what, man? I never regretted uh, the decision that I made. Uh, we're like family. And it's an interesting deal, Sean, because Gary, I mean, the, the one thing, you know, that, we've always been asked about constantly, you know, is about the plane disaster and, you know, the whole bit, you know, I wasn't going to ask you that actually. 
It's, I'm okay. Don't and so Gary, Gary knew that uh, it was a kind of a coincidence. See, I mean, I had been to their studio in Jacksonville, took my old man over to see Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And we had been at their studio there in Riverside in Jacksonville. And, and Ronnie had mentioned to me, asked me, do you want to go ride with us for about three or four shows? Uh, we got our own plane and, and you can, you know, maybe jam or just ride along or just be with us, whatever. Oh, wow. And I said, I would love to, you know, well, Blackfoot ended up getting shows right before they took off oh. for their first show. So I couldn't go. So the afternoon they took off from Greenville, South Carolina, I came into Columbia, South Carolina. That's the, that's how fate is, you know, that's amazing. and I've always believed in timing and coincidences and fate and all that stuff. Well, I was on stage that night and was just finishing up our show when a guy walked up on the side of the stage and said, Hey man, did you used to play in Leonard Skinner? And I said, yeah. He goes, your buddies had a plane crash tonight. And I thought the guy was just drunk and didn't know what the hell he was saying, you know? Yeah. And so I beat it back home and uh, called my mom and dad who was in, of course, Jacksonville called my mom and dad and my, the phone hadn't even rang one time when my dad picked it up and I said, pop, tell me it's not true. He goes, it's true. He said, they just came on, they just came on TV and announced that uh, Ronnie was one of the people that perished. And I was just like, Oh, Oh no. You know, I said, what about, you know, Gary and Alan and uh, Billy and Leon? He said, well, they've said so far that they survived. So for a while, you know, I kind of thought to myself, you know, maybe if I'd have been there and maybe I could have said something or, you know, talk, talk to somebody, talk to Ronnie or somebody, and maybe I could have made a difference, you know, uh, of them getting on that damn thing. Even if they had to cancel the show that night, at least <laughs> they'd be able to make it up at another time, you know, but Gary told me verbatim that Ronnie, you know, when Ronnie made up his mind, mm-hmm. that was it. You followed the leader. So we're fast forward now. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, I wasn't going to ask you, but thank you. For yeah, giving that. Sure, man. And fast forward. Um, in, in, uh, 1996, we did our, we did a European run, my first European run with Leonard Skinner and, you know, Blackfoot had already been a formidable, very popular band mm-hmm. in Europe, you know, well, we get on the bus that night. It's one of them double decker buses and we get on the bus and, uh, I'm sitting up there and Gary's right next to me with Dale and Gary reached over and hit me on the arm. He said, where were you? And I looked at him. I said, where was I? Where was I? What? He goes, you know, where were you that day? 
I went, oh. I said, Gary, you guys had just left Greenville and I had just come into Columbia. He goes, wow. I said, yeah. So, hey, call it. And I said, you know, Gary, I often thought to myself, had I been there, maybe I could have said something or done something. He goes, yeah. Ricky, you, you couldn't, there's nothing you could have said or done. He goes, you know what? It wasn't meant for you to be there then. It's meant for you to be here now. And I promised Gary uh, back then, you know, Gary got me back in the band, which I dearly love him for. And he's a brother. And um, he's real special to my heart. And um, he and Johnny and uh, his wife and Gary's wife, Dale, as far as that goes, the whole band is, but those two guys, man, you know, I've had a, I've had a long history with them. And uh, you know what? I promised Gary at that time. I said, Gary, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm here with you all the way till one day till the last note in Freebird is struck. And um, I've been there ever since 25 years, man. So there you go. You know? Oh, thank you. That's, that's incredible. It's uh, quite a, yeah, man. Yeah. Quite a feat. I mean, I, and I know in the past you did things like you did. Um, I, I wanted to ask you to step back a little bit while you're in, in Skinner, you also had started Blackfoot up again, but you were the producer or something. Well, I mean, you know, here's the deal. You know, a lot of people had asked me, you know, Ricky, are you ever going to take time out from Leonard Skinner when Leonard Skinner's not on the road to, you know, to maybe do a reunion tour with Blackfoot or, and really to be really honest with you, Sean, there was no time. With Leonard Skinner, man, we were working, you know, we worked constantly. I mean, we were doing 90 to 100 shows a year. Yeah. So after I did 90 to 100 shows, 110 shows, uh, I, I was beat, <laughs> you know? Um, then plus, you know, I, I, I got to be really honest. You know, I believe in my heart that bands will try to go back and recapture a magic that they had. But when you're young and you're hungry and you're, you know, you want to chin the world, man, you, you, you know, you want to succeed. And, and trust me when I say this, we didn't get into music to become rock stars. That wasn't our sole purpose. We got into bands and music and the art form because we loved music. We loved the the art of standing up there and entertaining people and have people love the songs. Yeah. You guys are musicians. Yeah. So, um, you know, all these guys, (laughs) Mozart, he didn't get into playing piano because you know, he wanted to be adored and, and all that. He got into it because he was a badass on the piano and loved to write music. 
you know? He couldn't escape it. It's all in his head. Oh, yeah. So You don't have a choice. So, you know, to me, what was really interesting was when I would get asked that question. Um, I would even go one step further and say, look, you know what? If there was ever a chance that, you know, Blackfoot would get back together for a, a reunion tour, I don't think it's possible because Jack, the guy that he and I wrote the songs together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, along with Greg and Charlie in the band, if Jack's not there, I just, I can't see doing it, you know? So, you know, people, we, we got an outcry from a lot of people that they were hungry for Blackfoot. So, um, a, a partner of ours at the studio came with an idea. And of course he had seen that, you know, Kiss had started uh, tossing around the idea and Farner was already doing it about uh, somebody of original status being involved with guys that would go out and play under the name, record under the name, and tour under the name. So uh, this partner of ours came to us one day and said, I have this idea. Okay. What's the idea? Um, I would like to see if you would like to think about um, maybe, you know, and you, and you throw the idea out there about new guys and, and you know, the whole bit. And I said, well, <clears throat> let me think about it. Let me and Al think about it. So Al and I thought about it for a, d- a couple of days. And we went back and we called a meeting and I said, the only way I'm going to do this is if I can produce it, uh, be the sole producer because I own the name, Yep. Uh, write some of the music, play on the record, uh, you know, and then I'll do it. So we handpicked you know, one guy, a guy by the name of Tim Rossi. And so all of a sudden material was written. It was all got together. I took them in the studio and recorded the Southern native record. Southern native was written by me. And, um, uh, if you saw, if you saw the video, that's me and my, my gal, uh, there at the very end of the video playing with the guys and, on the video and and you know what um i like the i like the 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 job of producing mm-hmm. uh i like the uh, the form of being able to uh you know it's an art form and and it's it's a way of expressing and creating and i like doing it and i enjoy doing it with those guys And, uh, but those guys, you know, they, you know, all of a sudden they, they got antsy things weren't going the way they thought the way they should. They started second guessing everything and it just kind of dwindled, you know, fizzled out. And then all of a sudden the COVID thing came along. So there you go. You know, and isn't it ironic? (laughs) 
my 25th year with black, uh, I mean, with Leonard Skinner was spent in a shutdown. Yeah. I mean, I got back with him March of 96 and all of a sudden 25 years later, March of 2020, here we are, you know, it's the oh. weirdest thing, man. Weird. Uh, so, yeah, so actually, well, the Blackfoot thing is kind of interesting because like some people would say they'd be cool about it because they weren't performing. They want to be involved in it, the creativity. But the other part, some people be like, no, that's kind of my legacy. I was known for that band. If the band goes south with it or, or you have to deal with the turmoil of other people in the band are like, yeah, we like it at first, but also we're evolving to our own thing. It's really our band because we're doing the touring and we don't want to be a, a puppet. You know what I'm saying? There's like so many dimensions to yeah. that monster. And, and for you to say, I want to do the band and, and it's my creation. So I want to be part of it. And right. keep single focus is cool. So obviously to navigate those waters, you know, obviously you've seen that a lot of treacherous. Or to say, yeah. take a chance with saying, what if the band, what if, you know, the singer or somebody tanked and goes, because not everybody always knows the singer or visually, you know what I'm saying? The band, they can be like, Blackfoot, I don't really like the new album. What happened to his voice? What ha- or, you know what I'm saying? Like the sure. legacy of that. Well, what you, what you got to do is, you know, really what is important is the music. Mm-hmm. The legacy of the music. The music, I wanted to keep it out there. And, and here's the thing that I was doing now, what I was doing, those guys would be playing gigs and I'd do select gigs with them. That's cool. I'd go in, I'd go out there and play with them and it was working. It was working great, but they had other ideas. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I could get all into it, but it's not worth it. And uh, it just, great. it, you know, it, it did what it did. It fizzled out. And so, you know, we're not sure what we're going to, you know, I'm not sure what I'm ever going to do. I mean, I own the name. Um, it's just sitting right now. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do the same thing or maybe I'll take it and do something or who knows, you know. Well, kudos for trying. I mean, it's a really creative outlet. You know, I'm the kind of person that believes – a band needs to do what they need to do. It's like being at a job for 20 years. You know, sometimes members change. Sometimes this changes. Sometimes you don't want yep. to do the same album. Sometimes you don't. It's up to the band. And, and I, I'll say, I'll embrace a band. Put out a couple albums that I don't like or I don't get. Keep doing right. it. Be original. Do what you want to do. The band needs to be the band. So, well, or yeah, you, that, you, it is your band and your vision. So if you want to do that with your vision of the band, then well, you can try Well, here's it. the thing. If you, it, it, it's got to have, it's got to have viability to it. It's got to have creativity to it. Mm-hmm. It's got to have some kind of authenticity. Um, you know, for Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to do it would be kind of interesting because they wore makeup. Yeah. So they could get guys that look great and, you know, the whole thing to put on the kiss makeup and the, the clothing and stuff like that. And they could go out and be Kiss. Yeah. A little bit different when Mick Jones has done it with Farner. But I saw Mick in Detroit. Uh, Farner opened for Kid Rock. And my gal, Stacy, she's one of his backing vocalists. Um, Kid Rock? They actually opened for Kid Rock? She works, yeah, she works in Kid Rock. 
She's one of I'm his saying, singers. She's one like of his they, singers. I'm saying the band actually opened for Kid Rock. That's interesting. Farner did, yeah, yeah. So they were in Detroit playing a series of gigs at, you know, Pine Knob, or DTE as it's called now. But I went on one of the final nights, and I ran yeah. into Mick. I ran into Mick, and Mick and I have known each other for many years. As a matter of fact, you would love this. This this picture was taken. Uh, Mick Jones played in a group called Spooky Tooth. I know them. And uh, way back, man, I'm talking about. This has been way long time ago. Here I am. Yeah. Oh, wow. Opening for Spooky Tooth. (laughs) Seriously. Opening for Spooky Tooth in 1969, 1970. That was right before I went to Skinner. Wow. Uh, And Mick Jones and I, I saw Mick that night and I had done touring with the original Blackfoot. We had toured with Farner many times, done shows with him many times. And I told Mick, I said, Mick, that's an interesting thing, deal that you're doing now. And he would come out and play with them and and, uh, on select gigs. And it really, that kind of thinking back on that is what kind of put me over to doing it with Blackfoot trying it with the foot you know so anyway it was a good experience it was i thought it was a cool thing to do um you know we got you know you get all kind of different feedback Uh, you know it's not the same of course it's not the same because it's it's the year 2010 12 whatever it's it's not 1979 you know so, uh, but it is what it is, and it and it was a fun project. I think it's a good idea. I mean, because I think Mick took a lot of hits for it in the beginning. You know, that wasn't mm-hmm. true or whatever. But the band, he's proven his point because the band's going great. I mean, the singer is uh, Kelly Hansen. He's fantastic. He does yeah. a good job. He was in a Hurricane back in the 80s. Right, right. Um, fantastic singer. So it's really good to see him get a second breath of life in that success, too. I was always sure. happy to see that. But the whole band does a, a spot on job. So they're playing out now. Know who's the last laugh, you know? Oh, so yeah. I think it is possible. And I think, you know, if you end up retooling it, you, you could do the same. I mean, it's yeah. proven. Um, yeah. So so the last question is, I mean, you've really been very uh, succinct with everything. Yeah. Skinner was, was ending the Feral tour, but then it was going to be an album. And then COVID happened. Where are we right now with Skinner? Because the world froze while you guys were kind of Doing your last lap, sort of, maybe, but doing some well. Recording. Okay, let's let's look. Okay, we did. You know, we were doing the last of the street survivors farewell tour, and really, what it was going to be was was that um, we had decided. You know, we had been doing year after year after year the long you know, 75, 80, 85, 90 shows, 100 shows a year. Wow. And Gary had succumbed to heart problems and just felt like he just could not do that anymore, you know? Um, so what we decided 
we decided to do that. And what it was, we were going to, it was a farewell tour, a farewell to doing all those kind of tours that we had done. Not to say that we weren't going to like, you know, there was talk of shutting down, you know, after it was all over with shutting down for a year, recording a new record, putting it out and then going out and maybe doing, uh, you know, weekend here, a weekend there. Yeah. Maybe uh, like fly out dates and stuff. Maybe an in-house thing in Vegas and, uh, you know, doing stuff like that. Well, now <laughs> this whole COVID thing kind of like left a lot of fans hanging. Yeah. Because people had bought tickets for the year. And we went out and did the very first two shows of 2020, which was on the 7th and the 8th of March a year ago. Um, first show was in Savannah, Georgia. Second was in Lakeland. <clears throat> and then we were to fly to uh, Fresno, California, do Fresno, Reno, Nevada, and then just continue on. Mm -hmm. Well, we did the first two and the world got shut down, you know? How crazy does it feel like your, your whole life you've toured? How has how this year been like? Are you like crazy, huh? Well, I'll be honest with you, man. I, I'm here at this house and uh, big enough to where I get up and get up every day and yell, hey, are you there? And the next day I hear myself asking it, you know? Uh, my, my gal, uh, we have a little lake house, you know, up North Yeah. and she was up there and I was down here and all of a sudden the lockdown happened. Oh, well, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen each other in over a year now because of this pre-existing condition of mine. Oh, you know, my doctors are saying, you know, Ricky, you gotta be really careful. You know, but thank God for FaceTime, yeah. you know, but uh, now everything is starting to ease up a little bit. I'm going to be able to travel here soon and, and hopefully get it all back together again like that. But as for the band, uh, there are shows starting to show up, you know, uh, on the calendar. I just saw a thing on Instagram today. Uh, from one of our, you know, managers of Leonard Skinner and uh, showing the festival that we're playing on June the 4th in Panama City. Oh, good. So we'll be, so it's going to start easing its way back up. And I think Skinner's got a long way to go now. We got, you know, we can't leave. We can get back into the plan and get back into it can't leave fans hanging and uh the band sure don't want to quit playing i mean i know i don't you know and uh you know with skinner and you know and then even side projects i'm always gonna i'm always gonna play have you been working on anything over the past year like, like yeah acoustic I've got or something kind of like a little thing for you well, I've got a, you know, I've got a main studio here in town. Yeah. Cutting room where I cut the, you know, the last, that new Blackfoot stuff, you know. 
Yep. And I got a mix room here at my house. Nice. And um, so I have been out working on stuff. I got to tell you, man, it, it was a it was a really strange thing, Sean. <clears throat> to all of a sudden go from playing and traveling all the time and and being on the go because I'm a guy that loves to just go. Yeah. And all of a sudden we got shut down and and I, I felt like a fish out of water. Uh, you know, it was a tough thing, man, to sit here every day and you know wonder what the hell was going on and you know. Uh, and you know, I'm not a guy that, that, you know, I'm not a guy that gets on, you know, that uses his platform for politics and religion, you know? So I wasn't about to do that. Um, I said, I'll just, I'll just get immersed in what I do, which is music or fishing or, you know, whatever around the house. And, um, Oh, that's how I've spent my year, you know, it's been hard, but you know, guess what, man? Um, you know, all of us in Skinner, we feel like we're tough SOBs, you know, so. You look great. I mean, I, I mean, I hope I'm happy as healthy as you are when I. <laughs> well, you know what, man? I just, um, I just had a birthday in February. I just turned 71. Happy and, late birthday. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. But I feel good. I, um, you look fantastic. I, I, I try to eat as clean as I can. And, 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 um, you know, I used to be a, I used to be a big, big into the gym and all of a sudden the gym got cut out. Oh yeah. I couldn't go to the gym. So had to develop stuff here at home to do and, uh, ride my bike, uh, be on the boat, uh, walk. I mean, just, you know, keep active. You know what I mean? What about so, playing guitar? Has that changed a little bit for you? Or, be, or because you've been so healthy, it hasn't affected your fingers at all? You know, as you, no, no. I mean, if you look at my hands, I've got no arthritis at all. And uh, I've been very fortunate. You know? Um, no, yeah, because you hear different things from different artists. It's always, you know, or, or touring hard, playing guitars hard. Yeah, or yeah. I talk to some people, like, how about drumming? They're like, I have to start working out. I can't stop playing for three months right. before tour. I talked to somebody else who's been playing for years. I said, do you do anything? How you feeling? And he's, I don't know, he's up in his 60s. And he's like, no, I don't do anything. I don't warm up. I don't up touring. I don't do anything. I just play out. He's in a heavy metal band. I just play out. Like, no difference. It's crazy how it's so different yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really, what's really funny is, is that uh, one of my heroes, Keith Richards. Yeah. I love Keith, but look at his hands. Bless his heart, man. I, I, I wondered to myself, how's a guy, you know, how's he gripping the guitar? Yeah. You know, it must be very painful for him to, you know. But you know what? God love him, man. He's he's still doing boy, it. Boy, he's still doing it. And I and I love that about him. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that really st- sticks in my mind. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, you know, years ago, you know, Grace Slick said, you know, rock and roll is not for old people, you know, it's for the young at heart. And, you know, she didn't like seeing guys that had had success get up on stage and try to be, you know, rock and rollers and all that, you know. Well, okay, Grace, 
But here's the deal. Um, you're born, and when you do this, this is what you do. Just because you turn 70, 71, 75 years, that doesn't mean you got to quit doing what you do. Mm-hmm. I love music, and I love the art of music. And I love making music, and I love entertaining people. And Merle Haggard was interviewed one time, and it's a, it's a pretty famous interview, but the girl asked him, she said, it's obvious you don't need to do this. You've been doing this your whole life. Merle, why, do you, why are you still out here doing this? He said, why? Because this is what I do. I get up every morning and this is what I do. This is, this is my life. Well, it's the yeah. same for us in Leonard Skinner. I did that. This, I mean, you're yeah. a musician. I mean, I, I can yeah. imagine if you didn't get the call, I bet you would have been working and you've been in a band or writing music. You were probably music on some level for the rest of your life. Yep. Because that's the difference. You're, you, like I said, you guys are musicians, not rock stars. Once you get to a certain amount of money and bills are paid, you know, it's all whatever. It's still about writing music playing and playing. Music. You guys don't need yep. to do it. And there's a certain point, it's not even about money. It's about just, you just, it's what you do. And you don't know what else to do yeah. because it's oh, yeah. in you. That's yeah. who you are. Well, um, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, you know, Skinner will be back out this year. Uh, hopefully we'll play it maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 shows or whatever, and then continue on from that. Um, we, we really, I think we, we need it after this last year. We need it uh, for our head. I would imagine you guys have a bunch of songs, all of you guys separately that need to get together. Collectively well, you know, like, oh, Johnny, I got a batch. Know, you know, Gary, Johnny, and I formed a little uh, production team called Three Southern Gents. And uh, we've taught, we, we produced one song called yeah. Last of the Street Survivors. And on, the, and on our new DVD that was filmed in Jacksonville in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, when the DVD's coming on, a piece of that song is at the beginning of it. Um, and on the on the on the live CD version, I think the whole song is on there. But we want to Gary, Johnny, and I want to take the band back in the studio and produce a whole record on the band. And uh, that I'm looking very forward to. Well, I think um, the band was a guy they shot in the arm when you came back too for songwriting. You know, publicly, other people have said that too that you. Well, I appreciate it. I think know. it's fresh blood. It knows about anything yeah. bad about the band before. I just think having, because you were a family, and so yeah. it was like having you back in was like home. So it probably, probably even healing and cathartic on some level. It probably had so many different layers, right? Watch the other guys that it made it exciting and fun, but yet comfortable. I think it opened, you know, spots in the brain. Well, you know, I'll tell you something that's really interesting is that, um. When I got back into the band, um, the band wanted to take it back. It was starting, they were, pardon me, they were starting to try to push it really country. And when I got in the band and Huey got back in the band, when both of us got back, (laughs) it took on all rock then, you know? And Gary said, I want to make it rock again. And uh, 
that's what we did, man. I said, you know, Gary, I'll do my thing. And uh, we'll just let it go at that. And Gary's never, Gary and Johnny and them, the, Gary and Johnny's never tried to stop me from being what I am, you know? Yeah. And it works out. It's, it's family great. and it works out great. And here we are, you know? Awesome, man. This has been, this has been fantastic, man. I'm glad you're doing good. And I want to thank you for talking tonight. Oh, I thank you for having me, man. This has been really good. Um, yeah. Any, any last uh, things people should look out for or check out of yours? Just no, I mean, you know what, man? It's interesting. I, I miss. I don't know. I miss the camaraderie of being together with the band, and yeah. um, I miss talking to the fans. You know, it's kind of isn't it kind of funny that. Um, I even have gone as far as, you know, I'm on cameo now and, you know, and I have fan, fans hit me up now, left and right, man, just to, you know, to make them a video to say hello to them. And I, I try to stay in touch with people, uh, Instagram. I'm not a big, I'm not a big, um, I'm not a big social media guy. I'm not a Facebook guy and I'm, not on Twitter and, and, uh, but I haven't, you know, I have an Instagram page and, and I do all that kind of stuff and check it every once in a while. And I love that people, you know, I go in there and post something every once in a while. And, you know, uh, honestly, to be really honest with you, but I like my privacy, you know, we do, yeah. uh, Stacy and I do, we like our privacy, uh, uh, I have a daughter um, who is 29 years old now. She's doing great in her life. Wow. She's a good kid. And, um, you know, I, I, now I can turn around and look back at stuff. And, uh, you know what, from a boy that came from the rough side of Jacksonville, Florida on the west side, I didn't do too bad, you know. So, uh, you did great. I think and I'll tell you good. something, man. It never fails to run across my head. I was very, very blessed uh, to have played with not one, but two great Southern rock groups. Yeah. And that is unusual, you know? So like I said to you before, early in this interview, I never second guessed myself that I wasn't going to make it, you know? I yeah. always knew <clears throat> that it was going to open up for me and I would be there you know so um thank you for having me today i appreciate it sean and uh you know what my big hellos to everybody up there in the new england area (laughs) and uh the northern the north country and hopefully uh my god i hope we get to see you again soon you know i really do i'd love to to see you guys you come out here i'd love to come come on check you out i want to yeah i will yeah oh man you listen my pleasure It was a real honor for me to be with you, and I thank you. Thanks, man.